Hollywood, the glitz, the glamour, the magic. But what's it really like? This is Behind the Lens. The podcast that takes you behind the scenes and guides you on a cinematic journey. In each episode, we'll be joined by industry insiders and creative minds, including Hollywood writers, directors, cinematographers, and more. These are the talented people who bring the stories we love to life on the big and small screens. Whether you're an aspiring filmmaker, a passionate movie buff, or just someone curious about the art of storytelling in film and television, this show is for you. We've made Behind the Lens as a resource for anyone looking to break into Hollywood or simply wanting to sharpen their creative skills. This is Behind the Lens, and here are your hosts, Alyssa and Melissa Knight. Hey, what's up, everyone? Alyssa Knight here in a brand new episode of Behind the Lens with my co-host... Mel Knight here. Hopefully all of you have been good since the last episode. Uh, We've missed you. It's only uh, been a week, but it feels like it's been longer. So uh, today we're going to be covering a topic that I've been wanting to cover for a while now, which is building a color suite. And as many of you know on this channel, we don't do small budget stuff. So for those of you who are watching this, just understand that the things that we're going to be covering today as far as building a color suite we're, is not going to be on the cheap side. So just something to think about. But, but before we get into that, I want to cover the creator. Uh, Mel and I just recently went to the movie theater and saw that together. Uh, there's some amazing facts about that movie that very few people know. And it's the movie that no one's really watching right now. You know, they're really struggling to meet even the budget that they put into it, which was 80 million. I think 86. Yeah, I think they're around 64 million worldwide right now. So they have about 20 million to go. So hopefully our channel can help get all of you to get to the theater and support uh, the the studio and the production company. I love it. It's a good movie. We're also gonna be doing an unboxing. It's a surprise unboxing. Mel doesn't know what it is yet. Not a clue. But uh, asked three times this morning what it was. <laughs> so let's go ahead and get into it. All right, so let's go ahead and get the unboxing done. Mel, why don't you do the Oh, I'm oh. gonna do it. <laughs> yeah, you get to do it. <laughs> I don't get as much. I don't know. I I I get pleasure out of unboxings, but uh, I I, th- I feel like I have to be in the mood for it. But Mel never gets to usually do it. So. Yeah, this is, this is what? Okay. <laughs> no. So we've been talking about we've been talking about this for a while now. We were super excited to find out that Sure has actually released a brand new version of their famous microphone, the Sure SM7B. Pretty much every podcaster uses this. A lot of people don't know this about the Sure SM7B, but the original Sure SM7B, which has been out for decades actually was used by Michael Jackson for recording Billie Jean or yeah, Billie Jean. So it's a, it's a famous mic. Now, one of the things about the Shure SM7B, the original is that it didn't have a preamp. So you really needed to boost that signal in order to hear it. Some people will use a cloud lifter if they don't have the other gear to be able to put what's called phantom power, 48 volt phantom power within it. So if you hook the Shure SM7DB up, it actually has a built-in preamp 
which eliminates the need to be able to use phantom power on it. So we're super excited about it. We've needed a third microphone for the house because every time we want to move into recording into Studio A, so we have three studios in the house. This is Studio C. Mel and I and our main desks are in Studio B, and then I'm up in Studio A, which is my color suite. But we don't have a microphone in there. So whenever I want to make any video in Studio A, I've had to move one of the microphones from Studio C. And it's it's just not tenable. So got the DB. A lot of moving of the mics. Yeah. On my desk, on my day-to-day -day desk where I do many other functions, I actually have the S. No, the S. Yeah, the Sure. Yeah, the, the smaller one. The MV7, which for day-to-day -day is like perfect because it's you actually sound really good on that mic. The audio quality is great. Um, this is going to be fun to unbox because we just saw this uh, coming out. Yeah, this is a relatively new mic. It just came out over the last few weeks, right? Uh, yeah, it just got launched. I'm really shocked that you're letting me unbox it. Typically. I know. Usually I'm the one who unboxes stuff. Typically you're like, let me do it. It's kind of a treat. Now, the SureSM 7DB is $499. I want to say that there's about a $100 difference between the original Sure SM7B and the new DB. The thing about the Sure SM7DB is it is a dynamic microphone and it's a cardioid polar pattern. Now, for those of you who have no idea what the heck that means, I put a diagram up on this slide that shows the different types of uh, polar patterns that are when you purchase a microphone. Now, this is going to be a cardioid pattern, so it's going to basically be more sensitive to the front of the mic and a little bit to the rear, but not as much. So it's going to pick up way less noise in your room because it's really only going to be picking up from here, from where my mouth is in front of the mic. Now, there are different types of polar patterns. Like I mentioned, there's omnidirectional, which is basically it picks up everything. Uh, so you're going to get a lot of noise. There are certain use cases where an omnidirectional microphone makes sense. Most of the shotgun mics, especially on film and TV sets, and again, the Shure SM7B are going to be cardioid. Now, there is, I want to say... Uh, on the cheaper end, for those of you who don't have the $500 to drop on a mic, you can pick up a Blue Yeti, which is fine. It's It it doesn't have an XLR input. It's going to be a USB. Or if you want, pick up what I have, which is the MV7. Which is a great mic. Yeah. It's you like, like it, right? Yeah, you can buy it on sale. Black Friday is coming up in November. You could probably pick one up for like $175, and it's fantastic. Yeah, it's super. It's a yeah, lot cheaper it's, than, it's than say, the SM7B. Obviously, the one I'm holding here is professional grade, but um, I don't need this on my desk, right, to do Zoom calls or whatever I'm doing at my desk, which is working at, you know, my day job. But, um, yeah, no, this is perfect for professional set and then MV7, which I absolutely love, and I've had it for about a year. No complaints. Right. So, as you can see from this chart, the further you move to the right towards bi-directional microphones, you're going to get more and more rejection. So that's rejection of noise within the room. These are the different polar patterns. Again, the two most common are cardioid and then omni. Those are the most common microphones that you're going to see out there on the market. These, I feel like as 3D diagrams, make a lot more sense than the other chart that I showed you. 
if you look at the pickup patterns, it's clear from the cardioid pattern that it's really just looking for that talent to pick up the voice from the talent, and then the Omni is going to pick up everything. Yeah. This looks really awesome. Isn't it nice? It has like, it? like this cool Talk matte black. Tell everyone about the Sure SM7DB. Yeah, looking at the the old one versus the new one, it just it's is cool. It, is it sleek? It's got a map it size, right? Yeah. Oh, it's a, yeah. It looks identical in size, but it has a cool little like lime green. Yeah, I like the lime green. Mike would like that. Mike's gonna like the lime green. And it just looks cleaner. Looks yeah. It's more modern, right? This is this matte? Yeah, so the original, the Sure SM7D I mean, is matte. They're both matte. This is a shinier matte. I think it just looks cooler. Um, I mean, obviously, it's like... You want that one, aren't you? Don't you? Of course. I know you have... <laughs> All right, let's be honest. Studio... And <laughs> Studio A gets the cool toys. Is the Edmund <laughs> so It gets all the cool toys. But I... No, absolutely. And then and Color Suite. And Color Suite, yeah. yes. We have, trust me, <laughs> thousands of dollars of equipment up there, and a lot of it I got Alyssa for Christmas, so... Yeah, I'm spoiled. We're, we're going to add so, some more this year. So so let's talk about the things that are working against you and building a color suite. So when Mel and I bought the house, one of the things that we talked about was we really needed a an editing room. We really needed an editing room. We really needed a color suite for me to be able to do post-production in. And I feel like that's where Mel and I sort of made the a lot of the decisions regarding, you know, how do we control light in that room? So we put blackout shades on the window. You know, these are the things that I'm going to cover with you or things that you need to think about when building out your own color suite in your home with the world as it is today. Everyone works from home. So, you know, what are the things you need to think about? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, controlling light pollution, we ended up painting the walls in our color suite black. We went with a black mat. It was actually black mat on the ceilings and dark, right. really dark gray on the walls. Oh, you're right. It was a black ceiling and then a, a super dark gray on the yeah. walls. We didn't want black black because it just would have been super dark. Too but dark, yeah. I think the gray, because Alyssa loves purple, it does have like a purple tint to it. So it's kind of nice. It's like a pur purpley gray. Yeah. Ambient light is the light in the room coming in from all different types of light sources. And you need to be able to control that light pollution you need to control what light is coming into your color suite because ambient light will actually alter colors it changes colors just like for example when you're in a jewelry store you know they're very careful about the kind of lighting they have in there to make the diamonds really pop and shine and how things look in that jewelry store underneath specific lighting they think about those things because light alters colors and you know, it can make a diamond if it's under the wrong light. It can make a diamond look yellow, you know. And so they think about those things in the Kelvin of those bulbs. So just understand that ambient light will yield inconsistent results as it changes in saturation temperature throughout the day. It's influenced by other artificial and natural light sources. So you need, like, for example, in this room right now, we have, we don't really have controlled lighting in here. We have ap two aperture uh, soft domes, lanterns coming in here, shining on us, but we have ambient light coming in from everywhere. We have it coming in from the front door. Our front door is all glass. We have ambient light coming in from upstairs, from those windows, ambient light coming from behind Mel over there in the kitchen. So there's ambient light that's going to be altering the colors while I'm editing this video in post. So you need to think about that. 
human color perception is altered by different lighting conditions. So while you're in your color suite, if you have, for example, just regular inside house light bulbs going and you have sunlight coming in from a window, all of the, all of that ambient light is going to actually adjust or change or alter the way your light that your eyes perceive colors. So I don't know if any of you have put on blue sunglasses. When you take those blue sunglasses off, all of a sudden everything is looks really warm. The human eye actually automatically has white balance adjustment. So the human eye effectively has an auto white balance. Oh. Uh, so you need to remember that ambient light is going to change and alter the way you see things. So you may be in your color suite, color grading, and then all of a sudden you take that to theater distribution or you put it on a TV in a different room. All of a sudden, it's going to not look as great as right. it looked to you or, you know, it's not going to look the same. Uh, wall color, Mel mentioned that, you know, understand that your eyes are going to adjust to the ambient light in the room. Cheap displays. This is another thing that's that you're up against is if you decide you're going to just, you know, save as much money as you can on your display and buy some cheap Dell monitor or some. Now, that's not to say that Dell doesn't make displays for color graders. Same with Sony. And we'll talk about that. But understand that different monitors will have varying degrees of saturation. They'll have varying degrees of warmth. Some will be very overly saturated. And you'll see this with some of your displays and some that are going to be very warm uh, versus other monitors that will be very cool. So I, I feel like the most money that you're going to spend is going to be on your display. Because if you look at mm -hmm. the monitors that are purpose-built for, like Flanders, uh, the four color graders, they're purpose-built from the ground up, and you don't have to deal with those kind of issues. The other thing with cheap uh, consumer-grade monitors that you would buy, like at Best Buy, they can't be calibrated. You can't calibrate a consumer monitor. The other thing working against you is if you're putting your display, uh, your display signal through your GPU. Now, in order to get around that, we'll talk about that here in a moment. But the GPU actually alters colors. It 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 really transforms that signal and what you're going to see. And on top of it, even worse yet, your NLE, whether it's your nonlinear editor, your NLE, whether it's DaVinci or Premiere, will also interpret video footage a certain way and alter those colors. Uh, so every NLE displays a video file differently. The other thing is IO control. You know, I, I it's not as big of a deal, but you know, I call it claw hands, but talk a little bit about this in the other video that I made where using a touchpad, uh, you end up cramping your fingers hurt. Okay, so unfortunately we lost Mel. Uh, she needs to walk into uh, an important meeting. So let's talk about what options are available for you in building your color suite to deal with these challenges. So let's first break this up into different sections. I'll first talk about lighting. Metal halide incandescent bulbs generate D65, which is another term for daylight. D65 is daylight. So the ideal situation is to buy a metal halide incandescent bulb. The problem with these bulbs is that they run extremely hot. So it isn't very practical in your room, especially for those of you who are building a color suite and it's a smaller room and you're closing the door to prevent that ambient light from, from coming in. You're going to get very hot very fast with metal halide incandescent bulbs. 
But something to think about is an alternative to metal halide bulbs is to purchase bias lighting strips uh, and bulbs now. FSI, uh, Flanders Scientific, makes these. I think it's probably the most popular uh, light strips, bias lighting strips that I've seen people buy. A lot of the color graders, Hollywood colors that I've spoken to, use FSI media light bias lighting. And then another option is waveform lighting, and that will run you around $60. Now, obviously, that's per strip. So if you want to put one around your, your confidence monitor, around your client monitor, or what have you, you're going to pay $60 per light strip. But if you think about it in the grand scheme of things, especially when you look at how much money you're spending on, like, for example, a mini panel or spending on your display, $60 for a light strip for D65 bulb and D65 lighting is, is not that much of a difference. Next, buy bulbs that output only at 6,500 Kelvin. You can go on Amazon. I found a pack of four 6,500K light bulbs for $15 and you get four of them. They're not that expensive. So if you're going to put lamps in your color grading suite, my recommendation obviously is to only use 6,500K bulbs. Blackout blinds are actually not expensive. So throughout our house, because this is a new construction, we hired a company to come in and put in smart shades on all of the windows that are controlled by Alexa. I think we spent roughly around $25,000 for the whole house. However, you don't need to bring in a company to do something fancy. You can go on Amazon, which is where I found these, and I found blackout blinds for 24 bucks. And they're portable. You can move them from window to window. So you don't need to go out there and spend 25 grand on custom motorized shades. Uh, these blackout blinds on Amazon are, you know, cost of a, a nice lunch. Wall color, we talked about this in our color suite. We painted them dark, dark gray, and we went with black on the ceiling. I also installed piping on the ceiling as well to hang aperture lights from, to hang my shotgun mic from, to hang my camera from. So I wanted to get everything off of the floor. So they're all hanging from the ceiling off of these pipes, which actually looks pretty awesome because I love that industrial sort of interior design. So, uh, but you know, the color of your walls, the color of your ceiling, you need to think about all of those things because if you go white, it's going to obviously reflect everything and it's something to think about. So I would definitely recommend a gray, dark gray wall color. For your display, this is where you're going to be spending a lot of money now. The displays are going to be a huge price range of $5,000, to $5,000, all the way up to $40,000. You can spend a lot of money on a color grading display. Specifically, you're looking for a broadcast monitor with SDI inputs. If you look at the Consumer displays, those are typically going to be Thunderbolt displays. They'll be HDMI or DVI. They're not going to have SDI ports. You typically only see SDI ports on a film set. Uh, with a color grading monitor, a broadcast monitor, it's going to have SDI inputs. Some of the example manufacturers that make these specialized displays are Flanders Scientific. We talked about that. X-Rite is another brand. There are some people who prefer X-Rite over FSI. ISO is another one. ISO, ISO, depending on how you pronounce it. Sony makes one. My recommendation and the pricing that I gave, uh, FSI is coming out with a new display called the DM160, and that is going to be retailing for $49.95. You can pre-order it on B&H. 
So if you think about it, you really don't need to go out there and buy a $40,000 color grading display unless the revenue from your color house or your salary supports that. And, and if it makes sense, if you're color grading things like Rogue One, uh, you're probably going to be on more of like a $40,000, $50,000 display than a four or $5,000 display. It just depends on the person. It depends on your preferences. You, but I don't want anyone to go out there on Twitter and say, Alyssa said buy a $40,000 color grading monitor. That's not what I'm saying. All right, the GPU. Let's talk about that. Again, the GPU is going to alter the colors. You don't want that video signal to go through your GPU up to your display. So I'll be coming out with a new, actually this week, a new video, which is going to be a tour of my color suite. So I'm going to be doing a color suite tour. I'm going to go over all of the hardware that's in my color suite in editing room. And we're going to talk about this because what I use is the Blackmagic Ultra Studio 4K Extreme 3. And what this is, is it's a video capture and playback appliance. It's not a card. The DIT station that you saw in our last video, I talked about this, but the Mac Pro 2019 actually has a DeckLink capture and playback card in it. Most of all of the equipment that you see me refer to is going to be Blackmagic equipment. I am a Blackmagic fangirl. I'm looking forward to the day when Blackmagic will sponsor my channel. But I, I love Blackmagic, anything that comes out of them. Originally, our studio, before we moved to Red and then eventually moved to Aerie, we were shooting on Blackmagic cameras. We originally started out with the Pocket Cinema camera, and then we moved up to the Pocket Cinema camera 6K, and then we moved to the, the Blackmagic Ursas, uh, both the 4.6K and the 12K. And they're great camera systems. They're great sensors. They just came out with a full frame now. So there's a full frame cinema camera that Blackmagic has. They make great gear. Uh, specifically for the editing room, they have uh, a DaVinci Resolve editing keyboard, and they also have an, a speed editor, which is a little small device I've got on my desk. I'll show it to you in the next video. If you want to see my last tour of my studio that I did, you can see it there. So what I have is a 75-inch LG LED TV on my wall, which is my client monitor. And what I do is I use that screen to watch a final grade of a film before I send it to AMC, before it goes to theatrical release for some of our premieres we've had. I'll look at it on that screen outside of my actual grading system, outside of my monitor. I'll look at it on the client monitor on the wall. And the reason for that, and also the way that my setup is with my displays, everything's going through that 4K extreme, through that capture device, which is the Ultra Studio. Now, there's a mini version of this. You don't have to buy the Ultra Studio that I have, but the Ultra Studio is 3225 I would go as far to say that the Ultra Studio is the most important device that you're going to have in your color suite. You really don't want to push that video signal through your GPU. Next, let's talk about I.O. This is your color grading panel. Again, this ranges anywhere from $900 all the way to $30,000, depending on what you want to buy. You can buy a micro panel or a mini panel, or you can go as far as to buy the advanced panel. If you're buying an advanced panel, you're probably at a point where this is a moot discussion. If you have the revenue to justify it, if you have the salary to justify it because you got an awesome job at Company 3 or any other post house, 
but again, you don't need to go out and buy a $30,000 advanced panel. A lot of you can probably just start out with even just a keyboard. I talked about printer lights in my last video. You can use that for more finite changes to your color grade, or when you're ready to, you can upgrade to the micro panel, which I think costs around 900 bucks. I have the mini panel. You saw that in my previous studio tour. I'm gonna to be doing a new tour of my color suite this week actually, where I'm gonna be walking through my desk and showing you what's in my rack mount cabinet. Stylus, I would never go back to using a mouse or a touchpad again. I ended up just getting so tired of the cramping with my fingers in my hand that I just decided I was gonna to move to the Wacom Intuos Pro. Once you familiarize yourself with using a stylus, that feeling of moving from a mouse to a stylus is a little weird at first, but once you get comfortable with it, Honestly, it's a game changer and you really just wouldn't go back to a mouse. The DaVinci Resolve Editor Keyboard. This is if you don't want to use a regular keyboard, you want to use a lot of the hot keys on a purpose-built keyboard. Blackmagic has made an editor keyboard for you. It's about $595. This is on my Christmas list for Mrs. Claus this year. I, I want uh, the editor keyboard. I have the speed editor right now, but there's a lot of limitations between the speed editor and the editor keyboard that I want to take advantage of. So for 600 bucks, it's worth it to me. All right, color calibrating your monitor. No matter what kind of monitor you get, you want to make sure you want to pick up a spectral color measurement tool. Uh, X-Rite makes them, this is probably the most common uh, color calibration tool out there that I've seen a lot of colorists use is the one from X-Rite and those started about $1,800 all the way up to something more expensive that's going to run you, you know, maybe four or $5,000, but X-Rite, $1,800 and you've got a color calibration tool. So total for your color suite, you're looking at dropping around $18,000, $19,000 for your color suite. Obviously, I didn't price out paint or anything like that, but this is a majority of the things that you need to be thinking through in building a color suite. If you're gonna be building a purpose-built room or instrumenting a purpose-built room for your color suite. So that's it. That's it for this podcast. Hopefully, some of you got value from this. At least one person got at least one thing from this. Then uh, I'm happy. You know, again, this channel really isn't about budget anything you'll see youtubers out there that how to build a budget scenario or how to build a budget whatever i'm not really about that i'm i'm gonna fly my flag i'm, I'm not embarrassed or or ashamed to admit it everything we buy is expensive everything we implement into our editing and color pipeline our, our post-production process our production process even the pre-production side which you'll be learning about on this channel as well. We, we don't spare any expense. Uh, we get the best because I don't wanna be dealing with issues that could have been avoided if I just spent the extra money to get a better product uh, for whatever that thing is. So uh, yeah, everything on this channel is not going to be budget. So, you know, for those of you who wanna control these videos and say, that there's cheaper versions of whatever. I know there's cheaper versions of whatever. I get it, but that's just not me. That's not who I am. I'll, I'll spend the extra money to, to uh, get the best. Now, that's also because we have the work to be able to support that budget. But for those of you who are starting out and you do need to look at more cost-effective 
uh, alternatives. There's YouTubers out there that have created some great videos on what you can do on a on the budget side that's more budget friendly but for those of you who are looking for the best that have the money to spend this is a good channel for you to continue to monitor and watch and subscribe to and hit that bell icon as well so thank you very much for joining us for this episode of behind the lens for those of you who are listening on the different podcast platforms like itunes or spotify or iHeartRadio. I would also urge you to subscribe to our YouTube channel. There is a video version of every podcast for visuals. If I'm going through anything that requires visuals, it's a great place to do it. But I know, especially I'm the same way, I do love listening to podcasts in the car. So I always make sure that no matter what the topic is for this week of Behind the Lens, I always make sure that it is still something you can listen to and listen to on the car. Don't need visuals, don't need video. Maybe after listening to the audio podcast, you catch us on our YouTube channel and that channel is at Nightlight Show on YouTube. So until I see you again next week, take care of yourselves and each other. You've been listening to Behind the Lens. As executive producers, Alyssa and Melissa are able to take you behind the scenes of everything Hollywood, bring you the industry insiders and creative minds. From writers to directors to cinematographers and more. It's our passion, and we hope you're enjoying the shows. If you are, make sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe. Take care, and we'll see you next time on Behind the Lens.